You are about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. And I'm Andrew McKay. And welcome back into the portal, your gateway to the bazaar. We got a brand new film Friday for you guys. First one of the year. (laughs) And it's already March. We literally just had a laugh attack just realizing (laughs) that we're already like in the final week-ish, week and a half of March. Yeah. That's insane. Whatever. We're kicking off spring with a film Friday. We'll call it that because it's, uh, I think it was the first day of spring, like to yesterday or today or something like that. We're just bringing into the new year. Oh, yeah. Great. Right? Great stuff. Is that a good one? That's great know. stuff. We have a really fun <laughs> classic film for you guys. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, well, I would call it a fringe film too. I didn't know about this one until we started looking into our Black Eyed Kids episode for Patreon. Yes. Yes. This is actually from the 60s, 1960 mm-hmm. on the dot. Village of the Damned. Pretty spooky. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically this is a British film. It's a classified as a sci-fi horror film, of course, uh, mm-hmm. directed by none other than Wolf Rila. What a name. Yeah. And uh, it was also written by him as well, the screenplay, along with Sterling Siliphant and Ronald Kibouch, who was also the producer. But yeah, no, it's got um, kind of a small cast, you know, that's pretty typical yeah. for a movie of this era, but it's effective. So we've got our main four, I'll say, George Sanders playing Professor Gordon Zellaby. Mm-hmm. We have his wife, or girlfriend, as girlfriend. she's also called, yeah. Barbara Shelley, who, who plays Anthea Zellaby. Mm-hmm. And then we've got what's known as the main child leader of this film, and that's played by Martin Stevens. So he plays David Zellaby. And then last but certainly not least, Michael Gwynn playing Alan Bernard, who is the army brother-in-law. He's like the sergeant dude. You're right. So, yeah, this is a pretty epic film. Yes. I really enjoyed this. It's highly entertaining. It's not slow. Like a lot of films from this era can yeah. be, it picks up right away and engages you. Yeah, I agree. And obviously everyone listening knows that that's what I love. Like get right into it right away. Mm. And the tagline of the film right off the top is beware of the stare that will paralyze the will of the world. <laughs> and obviously I love that. That's great. That should have been Rasputin's <laughs> tagline. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Maybe they kind of uh, had a little bit of that inspired by him. <laughs> but I love how what's well, interesting, I, I should say right off the bat, how it's emphasizing the stare. Because the mm-hmm. aspect of the eyes and the stare and controlling of the mind definitely comes into play, mm-hmm. which uh, also is related to the research we were doing into the phenomena of the black-eyed children, which yeah. uh, is is an interesting comparison that we wanted to make with this film. Totally, like these weird, unnatural, mesmeric eyes. Yeah. That in this film, they're not black, obviously, but they mm-hmm. are. There's some special effects applied to them, and when they get into their mesmeric zone, I'll say. It, it it is actually quite effective. It's actually quite spooky. I oh, think yeah. like, it's obviously very basic. But, it you know. gives you that same vibe though of, of exactly like yeah like the, of of a black eyed child experience though. 
Exactly. Which to us being like, you know, armchair paranormal researchers, I'll call us, is uh, is something we're obviously familiar with as more of a modern phenomena. Perhaps this film inspired, I think, is what some people would point to. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. The story takes place in Midwich, England, which is, of course, a fictitious town. It's not a real <laughs> place. I was hoping it might be a, a middle place. A, a, a middle place. A real place. It's like a sandwich, <laughs> but it's in the middle. Right. It's, the it's describing the middle of the sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. It's the Midwich. It's not the bread. It's everything between the bread. Right. Also, this town <laughs> is, pr- is primed to have a witch. Like the mid-witch witch. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just makes sense, right? <laughs> but in this case, they're experiencing something else other than witch phenomena in the woods. The film is actually based on an earlier novel written in 1957 called The Midwitch Cuckoos by John Windham. Hmm. And it's a science fiction novel, just like the film ends up being. And it tells a tale of this, you know, obscure English village in which women become pregnant by something I'm actually going to save. I'm not going to say it right now because Mm -hmm. I want to get into it in a little bit. But they do get bizarrely uh, impregnated by something mysterious, right? The film kicks off and I was so excited because right off the bat, I'm like, that's Monsieur Ballon. That's Monsieur Ballon (laughs) from the Pink Panther. It's the, uh, The the, yes, the uh, the first one, uh, A Shot in the Dark, the guy who Mm. plays the millionaire Frenchman, Monsieur Ballon. (laughs) And he, of course, is playing Professor Zellaby. And you're right, it is really effective right from the beginning because, like, the professor answers the phone, he's sitting in his office, and but there's something that's keeping him from his communication, right? And mm-hmm. the cinematography is really effective. It, it keeps cutting around as we're slowly realizing that wherever the professor is and his surrounding space is, like, being affected by something sinister. Mm-hmm. And they go to these really close-up shots of, like, a, a telephone from here sign where clearly no one's able to call for help, a, cl- a solo clothes iron on a table, yeah, just, just really close-up shot, burning the clothes, mm-hmm. a skipping record that keeps, like, repeating the same creepy thing over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it really, like, builds up. To, like the creepy stuff right away which is awesome well and, and evidently there's just bodies littered everywhere right in and the we streets don't... in their houses everywhere yes. everyone's just seemingly collapsed yeah and, <laughs> and we don't really know if they're gonna all of them are gonna get up or what like what's what exactly going, going on? on right yeah. so yeah so that's definitely effective and the army's on the scene like right away so it was almost like Flatwoods monster style. You know what I mean? It's And the reason for that is right. because on the other end of the phone, the professor, he was actually on the phone with the army um, major Bernard, who was his brother-in-law. Right, mm-hmm. right. And he's concerned enough to have all of them descend and make that happen like right away. I mean, obviously it is strange. I guess he would... Well, the thing is, he's cut off from his communication initially. He's in his office, right, at the main army headquarters, wherever that is in central England, somewhere. And then he is attempting to reestablish communication and can't. So he is increasingly concerned. He has the afternoon off, so he requests that he go investigate, which is kind of nice that you don't have to travel like hours and hours and hours to get to where they are but yeah yeah, i thought that was interesting right there's a very intimate connection right away yeah and it establishes this very official line right all extending all the way back to the military like heads and all that so there's a very interesting component that adds more to this film totally because it almost made me wonder right off the bat is this a military like mistake of some kind? Like, yeah. is he also like, oh, like yeah. I'm gonna go make sure to, you know, I gotta go find oh, out what's yeah. going on because maybe we're at fault. Some kind of cover up or something gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, he pulls up right away, and it's all chaos, right? So it's like he he rolls up because he's gonna go check out what's happening in Midwich, and he sees an oncoming van that 
just has the you know the driver and passenger completely passed out they just like veer into the ditch mm-hmm. uh you know a, a policeman on a bicycle uh, yeah. same you know s- similar situation it's it's just bizarre people are just like dropping like flies exactly because that was the interesting part so he's at a certain threshold he's in the road he sees it from a bit of a distance him and the policeman have an exchange and the policeman because he's on a bike right he decides to go up to the passed out people and then right. as soon as he crosses a threshold he himself just falls over exactly and so obviously something is happening where the atmosphere has been affected or contaminated or something right so it's very clear to this one individual that yeah this is not normal and before and before major bernard like goes and even realizes this he says to the captain he says like uh we have men running some kind of drills was it like around the area of midwich like he makes reference to that mm-hmm. so so we think strange. that right away hey that yeah. there's some sort of military connection that there's something sinister or not not yeah. quite open to the public yeah what on. did he what did he mean by this right exactly yeah yeah that's actually an interesting point and then of course we get the classic old-fashioned like military quarantine everybody you know they quarantine the town it's this bubble that's created and we still don't know exactly what's going on but as they send in a man like with a gas mask this time and i love it how they ask the guys like oh are you cool with this and he's basically yeah no problem like puts the gas mask on <laughs> and uh, you know his vitals are sound no big deal which is absolutely bizarre they drag him back across the threshold and he says as soon as he starts to come to he says i'm so cold that's another weird clue that they mm-hmm. kind of like give you early on as a teaser why are you cold what is happening to you like biologically or right. physically in that moment it's yeah it is weird yeah it's not as if like there's nothing like that's not like they're frozen literally and it's like spring mean? it's like a warm beautiful day presumably like the people driving and out and about like no one's dressed for winter like it's mm-hmm. warm mm-hmm. and uh clearly it, summer yeah yeah so it's 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 strange it's almost like he's been drained of something right mm-hmm. or That's just or petrified in a way like i guess your blood's just run cold because you're scared for some reason but he can't really describe why he almost just seems more out of it than scared right exactly mm-hmm. and of course the out of itness continues in, this this is almost comedic like you and i both laughed out loud and then we looked at each other we're like oh, should we was that <laughs> That's pretty dark, morbid sense of humor we have because they decide to send a plane in thinking... They don't actually. He just sees it overhead. Oh, right. He radios radios him. And then he's basically just like, let's do a test here. Right. And so he asks the pilot... It was just an average Joe Blow pilot. No, no, no. It was a military plane. No, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. No. Are you sure? Well, we'd have to go back and rewatch it, but I'm I'm pretty sure that it was just some dude okay. like, in his his own little single whatever like Cessna style thing. Hmm. And but yeah, I could be wrong. Anyone correct? It really doesn't matter. But, <laughs> it but really it's just interesting. The interesting part is the idea that he is at an altitude that is seemingly safe, and yes. then Bernard, the major guy, he asks him to descend, and then as soon as he hits a certain threshold he ends up passing out right you know what's really unfair about that scene is how little warning this pilot's being given that his life is basically in in limb like you know what i mean like it's just they don't know i mean they're well true yeah and the the major guy he like he does make the point of saying like if you start to feel funny and he's like what do you mean feel funny and then as soon as he hits that threshold he just passes out and then we get a very comedic crash and burn (laughs) well it's just like you weren't (laughs) expecting it all of a sudden just just the plane crashes the looks on their face and yeah and everyone's like oh God, like seriously? But of course, now we're left with this question because the reason they thought that that wouldn't be a problem, like I wouldn't have thought that in that situation either, right? It's like, this has got to be on the, it's this, they wouldn't expect it to be this massive biome, essentially, where like whatever is affecting Midwich goes up, up, up into the 
like wi- mm-hmm. like you know like mi- like wow. miles up or is it simply descending from the upper echelons of our atmosphere and that pilot Ooh. if you flew past like say like maybe 20 minutes before this hit the ground maybe you would have been affected by it if it is spore like as we theorize because that's what i'm thinking it's like it's like some sort of like psychic or perhaps biological spore like parasite but i'm getting ahead of myself oh yeah way ahead of yourself getting way out of myself here but yeah the idea that you're talking about this biome so this thing extends vertically and horizontally it's 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 a three-dimensional sort of like sphere right that we're dealing with here well why don't we get to the point here where the the townsfolk wake up Yes. And they're like, what the hell's going on? Exactly. So, again, we get the professor in his home kind of, like, coming to. And he doesn't quite realize it at first. But his wife enters and she starts to, like, piece it together. Like, oh, it's already 3 o'clock. Oh, why did you miss lunch? Right. Why didn't you come wake me from my nap? And then they start to realize they've lost several hours. Yeah. The entire town of Midwich has been cut off from the outside world for... We don't have an exact amount of time, but it's several hours. So it probably yeah. happened in the morning, and then by about 3 p.m. is yeah. when they all come to. So, again, we get a lot of infiltration, a lot of uh, presence of the military in the town as it descends with these scientific intentions. And, of course, we get the personal connection between the major and the fact that it's, like, you know, his brother-in-law is a professor. A man of science, right? Right. Someone you would go to in a situation like this. So he becomes sort of, like, the preeminent, like, expert of the town, right? And observing all this weird phenomena. But isn't that interesting, too, that they descend so quickly with these scientific intentions? Like, obviously, it's this personal Mm, connection, but it's also, like, going back to that comment (laughs) early on where it's, like, weren't we doing some training around? midwitch or whatever they're right there on the scene ready to go testing for what the hell's going on it's very strange it seems it seems sort of coincidental it's Mm -hmm. it just it's very flatwoods monster-esque everyone was ready to go it is yeah totally everyone's been mobilized and they don't even know what they're dealing with there's no real evidence of anything right until we start to get these women coming forward with these pregnancies and some of them are obviously happy about it because they're married others not so much and there's some comedic moments right like the guy that comes home <laughs> yeah. from being away overseas for 18 months and his wife is pregnant right <laughs> like, that's just and she's denying that she did anything, yeah which of and course it just she ruins didn't. their household and then right. there's the unwed teenager that's also pregnant so basically every woman in this town is impregnated right so we get a lot of pregnancies happening here. and there was an uh, and they they emphasize that by having that quote from my camera i didn't actually pull it up here but they have a line from like the reverend because all these girls are going to the church or a lot of them and like making confessionals especially like the younger ones right mm-hmm. and, and i he, he ends up talking to um professor uh, zelleby later on but he says like i believe these women like i believe what they're mm-hmm. saying yeah and that's you know that's that's obviously significant in a community like that at that in the in the time period that we're dealing with for this film, mm-hmm. which is just kind of interesting. It's like, well, what the hell's going on here? Like, what would a what would a, a religious man be thinking? You know what yeah. I mean? It's oh, it's well, because there really is these sort of similarities with like, well, it's it's clearly a virgin birth happening here, but it's not exactly the same vibes as uh, Mary in the stable. Mm-hmm. It's a little more insidious than that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, how did this occur? When did this insemination like happen? Is this, yeah, is this like the virgin birth where it is from, yeah, like there's so many different ways that these people could dissect the situation. Yeah. And obviously we don't know even if they're going to give birth to real human babies, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So then we get on top of the pregnancies, we get abnormal pregnancies. So these women go through an expediated pregnancy, essentially. Right. Right. And so... 
they, yeah, they basically give birth early and then they give birth the things that <laughs> things are, <laughs> are very interesting in their development. So right. let's get into that. But first, I think we have a quick promo break, don't we, Andrew? We do indeed. Yes, we're going to take a quick promo break to listen uh, to the ladies over at the Harpy Hour podcast. Hey, everyone, you're invited to Harpy, Harpy Hour. Hour. I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. We are the Harpies. And Harpy Hour is our new podcast featuring ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. Were you ever suspicious that pigeons were secretly spying on you? How do you know who to eat first if you survive a shipwreck? Do problematic musicals send you into an uncontrollable rage? If so, then Harpy Hour might be your new favorite podcast. That's H-A-R-P-Y for Harpy, and new episodes air every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on all social media at Harpy Hour Pod. And check us out on harpyhourpodcast.com. Okay, bye! All right, and we're back. Okay, so we've gone up to the point of when these things have been brought into the world. Yes, indeed. And we get several birth scenes. They all happen basically within like hours, if not days of each other. Yeah. And they all come out as these quote unquote perfect babies that are like just a little off. There's too perfect. Yes. They're all biologically sound. They're all healthy. Right. They're all born very heavy. Yeah. So that's strange. And they're all born with eyes that are mesmeric and are very powerful right. and strange, as their doctors and, and parents seem to comment yeah. on. So this is an interesting development, and it only gets weirder and weirder as the plot progresses. But we've got a lot of things at play so far here, so maybe let's just recap quickly. Yeah, okay, for sure. So mm-hmm. essentially, like... As far as trying to dissect this, we've got the idea of military experiments, right? The military's present, right, from Jump Mm -hmm. Street. They say that they were in the area doing stuff. Is there unknown biological experiments going on, you know? is there yeah. is there some sort of mutation thing going on? Is there alien technology that's been recovered by the military that's been mm-hmm. tampered with? Something along those lines that has a biological component to it. Just rabbit hole after rabbit hole of the mind can go down, it's right? Like X Files before the X Files. Exactly. <laughs> then obviously, like to build off of that, there's this idea of alien and UFO activity over the town. Uh, you know, there's similarities to uh, even to go to the thing of like everyone wakes up and they're like, oh, it's 3 p.m. What the heck? Well, the notion of lost time is so directly linked mm-hmm. to UFO cases, abduction cases and that that phenomena. So is this like literally, you know, inseminations during like a frozen period of time? Or is it like Amber said, some sort of a strange pollination happening Mm -hmm. and once again as usual on into the portal (laughs) x-files reference perfect timing because it's like sort of similar to the um episodes in later seasons with like the bees and the cloning of like of children and using that for some sort of pollination thing hybridization and and that's that's what we're getting here hybrid beings exactly hybridization and something that is of a colony like mind like hive mind so to speak and i had this little thing here it's just like they've been seeded 
sprouts. Like they're bell sprouts. <laughs> or like like they've been attacked by bell sprouts. Like you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, they have been infected or cross pollinated with some sort of unknown species. Right. And then I had to put in all caps, the invasion is here. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. We're already yeah, it does remind me a lot of the X Files themes where they talk about even like Scully and that group of women that come forward at I can't remember if it's season three or four. It's something like somewhere that. in the mid season. Someone there. hit us up and let us know. Yeah, where there's stories of women um, that yeah have given birth to these hybrids that eventually are taken back by the government. Right. This is interesting though. Yeah, we get a lot of X Files esque things with government involvement. However, I will say this: it's a different type of government involvement where it's very open. It's very like solicitous. Like you know, it's not like yeah. in the shadows, so no, to speak. No. So there's that, and it's very just. English doesn't it just it's almost like a quaint like we're all just here trying to figure this out I think out. and that's and the reason why we're right? not denying this we're just kind of here yeah we're like, all scratching our heads at the same time mm-hmm. the cook the baker the army general everyone's out here to... <laughs> no like actually like that's that's the vibe <laughs> yeah. of it but to go yeah. back to the whole x-files comparison the bees and like pollen the idea of pollination some sort of an entity that's doing that the idea of these things coming out early, like born early, mm-hmm. born heavy, abnormally mm-hmm. heavy, and born as like perfect, air quoting here, perfect, quote mm-hmm. unquote, human babies, that just sounds like the perfect symmetry you like see in nature. You know what I mean? Like the honeycombs, oh, like yeah. the perfect like shapes of things. It sounds like something mimicking, and mm-hmm. then this is what you get. It's too perfect because it's some sort of a parasite or whatever you, what have you, mm-hmm. that is... manipulating what would be a human baby right yeah and it kind of is because it's coming out of a human woman so it's partly that it's partly so that's where you would get like the i don't even know like the genetic makeup to be able to mimic it i'm thinking the thing here people there's Mm -hmm. some comparisons there's some crossover with that because it's taking the form of something that it normally wouldn't be exactly and you do get subtle aberrations such as their hair their odd fingernails, the eyes, and of course, like we've mentioned already, their advanced development. So there are anomalies present within this sort of fusion of unknown species and human species, if you want to call it that. Sure, sure. And the other thing too that I will mention is that they're very sterile. They're very cold in their behaviors, in their words, in their actions, and how they relate to other humans around them. And the one thing that was the most obvious in that example is no love for their mothers. It is a classic parasite analogy. You use the host, you discard the host, no longer functional for them, so ergo, don't care at all. And they have no need for human emotion, right? So they just don't even go there. And I I don't love this, but I just thought this was a very powerful portrayal, I guess, of the love that the mother Anthea has for her son David, Mm -hmm. who totally rejects her time and again. And it's very painful in some scenes, right, where she's just, you know, ultimately, yeah, yeah, rejected. And uh, her femininity is also used against her too and you know this the classic portrayal is like weak ineffectual there's one scene in particular that i had to point out that was one of the second to last confrontations between david and professor zellaby mm-hmm. in their home where david comes to speak directly to the professor who had nothing to do with his mother at all yeah and is almost uncomfortable in the sense that you think that he might actually do something to her right. you know what i mean yeah. something dangerous yes but she's dismissed from the room by both of them the professor and son, so I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> uh, before their actual conversation begins. And that's like a classic misogynistic kind of like portrayal, I think. Oh, and I, I, well, I, it, yeah. it does speak to the era of film and culture. So oh, I will sure. just point that out too. But I thought that was interesting. Hey, 
it's so parasitic. Well, I'd say that, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely worth mentioning. I'm glad you did. I'd say, like, literally every aspect of this movie, women have zero agency. The Mm -hmm. movie is completely centered around being seeded by some sort of anomalous parasitic alien entity (laughs) against your will so (laughs) that's just basically where we're going from there passive feminine yeah exactly Exactly. it's it's a big eye roll but again right it does speak to the nature of these beings i guess or creatures or whatever the hell you want to call them and then what you just described too the situation with uh, david coming in and almost dismissing his mother as if he's an adult is mm-hmm. part of many scenes and experiences in the film that are very similar to the phenomena of the black-eyed children yeah. acting oh, strangely yeah. older than they should be, saying things mm-hmm. that are anachronistic or out out of date and things like that. Yeah, they're, so, they're little grown-ups, little human right. grown-ups or something. And that is actually, yeah, so that goes in part and parcel with their accelerated development, I would say. Mm-hmm. And we get a very interesting scene where there's this box that the professor uses to kind of observe these irregularities and these expedited abilities. So we're going back to the idea of like a hive mentality because he demonstrates how there's this like complex box that you have to open in a certain way. Right. And he teaches it to one in one room. And then as soon as he teaches it to one, they all know it. They can all repeat it without even being shown. So that again speaks to the idea that they have one mind. Right. And they're not individuals. So that's creepy in my opinion and very effective. This whole movie was so effective in its creepiness, I think. and, And the creepy thing about that too is the fact that we know that that's a real thing. You know what I mean? Like that's a that is a real biological phenomena. Whether that, or not that, it's like psychic transmission or whatever, it's like something that we can. Proven, but yeah, but it, it happens. We know it. Like well, even we, with they, bamboo and the root systems of plants and things like that. As an mushrooms, example, like but. absolutely, they like yeah, mush, mushrooms specifically, like fungi. Um, I mean, but bugs like bees and ants and things like they. It's no, it's 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 spooky. Mm-hmm. And also the idea, yeah, the hive mentality because they walk around together, right? They're always together. They're never really separated if they Mm -hmm. can help it they ignore the other children they you know they're literally like it's almost reminds me of the black eyed kids in the sense that they almost do the right angle turns and they're all very just yes in unison and their eyes when one of them gets it in their mind that they want to use this psychic abilities we'll call it because we get a few different examples of that and some of them are more nefarious than others Mm -hmm. but once one of them decides to do it it's almost like they all power up together right and they all work together to achieve the desired effect and i guess part of that desired effect is like half of it is trying to fit in but it just sort of doesn't Mm -hmm. quite it's like the puzzle piece it Mm -hmm. is a puzzle piece but it doesn't it's the wrong spot you know what i mean because they dress like they dress really well yeah like and again that's similar to the black eyed children but i look at that as being like well if you're a weird alien spore entity like wouldn't you just dress the same but just be wearing like a gray paper Mm. bag or something like what's with the actual like maybe that's just because it's a uk based film or maybe they're just they're just trying to do it better we're like we're good humans but we're better we're gonna like (laughs) rupaul it up and like just look way better than you yeah it's like they're trying to pass like almost like men in black and like you know what i mean that does remind me of that it, it looks unnatural right. on them but they're trying to fit in and they're roaming around the town <laughs> yeah trying to fit in roaming, aesthetically yeah. but they're roaming around the town essentially like intimidating mm-hmm. the townsfolk including the ones at the baker when they go to the, the bakery or something and they're like i'd like to place my order and they read her mind and they're like you don't want us to be here. something along those lines and it's yeah. like why are you as children that are probably under the age of eight 
um, ordering your own supplies and making food, like grocery orders and things. Like, it's just right. bizarre. Where are your parents? Have you already just moved out? Like, what is going on? <laughs> they don't want anything to do with them. Because we do get to a certain point in the film where they are segregated away from the population. Right. That hasn't happened yet, though. So in my mind, I'm so confused. I'm like, why are they doing these things? Yeah. So they're not passing well. That's no. what I'll say. <laughs> Why don't we jump to that then? Because it's it's age three, really, where this really starts to take effect, where they're not just like all hive mentality, like mm. opening boxes together. It's the behavior is really more unusual and more sinister. Exactly. Yeah. So three years later, they basically the professor has a meeting with British intelligence. And this is kind of assess and discuss what's been going on over mm. the last three years. So this is where we're kind of briefed on the fact that this is not an isolated phenomena. This has happened in other parts of the world at the exact same time. So while this was going on in Midwich where everyone was passed out, yeah. this was actually happening in several different locations. And I can't remember. There was one in Japan, I think. There was one in Iceland. There was one in the Inuit. Then the yes, Inuit ones yes, were rejected in immediately Canada. because they were obviously considered like demonic babies because they didn't fit in with the... Um, you know, like the uh, cultural and the yes. ethnic makeup of right. people because of their blonde hair. So they were ultimately rejected and killed yeah. right away. They were called. Well, and so yeah. that's basically what's been going on around the world. There's been very unfortunate situations <laughs> developing. Um, and there was one, I think, they mentioned in Sweden. You yeah. That, it, and it's somewhere. And it's all the same. It's all the same stuff. It's, it all results in tragedy and basically devolves into something else. Right. So, yeah. So basically... Where do we go from here? I mean, it, it's it's kind of devolved. So basically, Professor Zellaby's taken these children on as one of his personal projects. Yeah. And he, he asked for a year to observe and to see if he can make it work. I guess yeah, or this at is least his human if, side. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he thinks that there might be something we can, like, learn. They can learn from them. That there might be, mm-hmm. I mean, some sort of way of curing things or, or, or something. Because there's just something unique here. And everyone's just seen it in a negative way. Yeah. But, of course, he... he he's trying to understand. Exactly. This doesn't last long, though, of course. Yeah. Some of the classic lines that we get as well that, again just straight up hearken to stories of the black-eyed children showing up and knocking on car windows or at doors quotes along the lines of you don't have to fear us well children should never have to say that right like that just goes without saying that you should not have to fear a child when a child says that to you that's like i'm hightailing it the other way because that's not a kid no kid says that right uh later on they end up saying you know you don't want us here anymore it's what you're thinking that's Mm -hmm. what you you made a a reference to that as well well of course they're just straight reading minds yeah so they do seem like hyper aware (laughs) because of their mental capabilities to the fact that they are not welcome in this town right there's a lot of animosities building and so that's an interesting development and also a terrifying one too because when the townsfolk turn on them, it's almost like the classic Frankenstein thing where yeah. these kids act out and they're a lot more dangerous than their uh, human components. Right. This was interesting. Okay, so basically we get one scene with the car where they basically cause the man to get... He calls them out for something and then yes, yeah. they basically like give him the steely eyes and then he gets back in his car and runs it right into a brick wall yeah. and dies. Yeah. That's one of the first instances that kind of brings the town hall together and everyone gathers and starts blaming and there's like a a trial and all this stuff so that i think that was the actual impetus for the re um rebriefing i think with the military yeah i think so after that when the professor decides to take them under his wing and takes one year to study and to learn from them slash maybe guide them in a different direction maybe 
and they're all under one roof, which seems even more dangerous, but maybe not because they're all sequestered together. So yeah. they don't have eyes and ears. Everywhere. Exactly. So that actually makes sense. And I love that one scene that uh, we included here. There was a quote where the professor asked them if they're aware of life on another planet. Yes. So he is trying to ascertain whether or not they've come from some sort of intergalactic sort of uh, origin. Yeah. And they do not answer him as if either they have no idea what he's talking about or they don't want to reveal that information. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's strange. It's not like they're they David straight up answers like, oh, like you know what we are or or something, whatever, something along those lines. They keep it, they leave it open to interpretation. I Yeah, and it's super suspicious. But again, I had this thought. I was like, maybe they don't even know. Maybe it's like the Ooh. classic, like, uh, Prometheus story, like, you know, where it's like they were sent as seed progeny from another planet that was either since destroyed or rejected or, say, it was a annihilation of a certain species. That's interesting, actually. Exactly, and that's why there's so much riding on their success on Earth. Right. Right, because they have nowhere else to go. Hmm. So, especially, like, after the other colonies failed around the world. So they're the only pocket left. Just huh. sitting there in midwitch. So that's high stakes, right? Yeah. So anyways, that kind of ups the ante. And I think, yeah, we're, we're getting into climactic territory here. For sure. But again, yeah. So as they're exhibiting these powers to read minds and force people to do things against their will, they cause not one death, but I think two or three. Well, they, yeah, there's the shotgun one. There's the, the car. The shotgun one, yeah. I mean, there's a handful. The, 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 of accidents. There's implied things. more, probably, mm-hmm. right? The shotgun one was the most sinister, where it was the brother of the guy that died in the car accident, and he confronts them. And, but then it's it's all very, like, hush-hush because the professor knows what they're capable of. So he's like, just yeah. walk away, just don't say anything, just go. And then yeah. he ambles along the path but doesn't get far enough and... <laughs> Yeah. The Black Eyed Kids influence. The Black Eyed Kids, yes. <laughs> As I might refer to them. <laughs> no, well, I mean, that's... What, that's... what do we call them? Like, what are I they? I think we should just... We never know. Well, they're the spooky children for for, for the time the being, I guess. spooky children, all right. <laughs> I don't know. They're, I mean, I, I'm, they're definitely alien-like entities of some kind, mm-hmm. is what we're leaning towards Beans. so far. Yeah, Although I, I will say, actually, I didn't mention off the top, of course, the title, Village of the Damned, does imply in some sense that what they're dealing with or what the townsfolk might believe they're dealing with is some sort of like a curse or mm-hmm. something. Like this, like the town is a cursed. Plague or something. It has this like direct mm-hmm. Christian connotation to it, right? Like maybe these are demonic entities from hell, the damned. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Of some kind, uh, which is kind of curious as well. I was seeing it through, yeah, like a Christian lens. It's almost like they've all given birth to the Antichrist, if you think about it. Which is also strange because you get like almost an antithesis of that classic, like you know, the black-haired kid that's like you know. We mm-hmm. get this white-haired version, which right. is odd and just more sci-fi-y. I, mean, I did actually, that. in some of our research for uh, the Patreon episodes on the Black Eyed Kids, come across a couple of uh, accounts that were allegedly the white-eyed kids. Oh. Um, so spooky, just straight white, straight oh, white eyes, which is really creepy as well. Maybe um, they just have really bad cataracts. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> bad joke. That's like a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, aliens, biological entities uh, is is definitely where we're leaning. So the ideas of, of the spores, I and mean, I'm like so curious because it's like, well, why did it, why was there such a delineation? You mm. know what I mean? Like where the plane crosses the over, where line. there's this hard line. Because it almost feels as if it's, it's not just where the spores are landing or something. It's like it is a dome of some kind that oh, yeah. was allowing the actual incubation to take place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and also preventing anything from disturbing 
the incubation because everything that go everyone that goes in just passes out. And it's hours long, so it's like, exactly. That's weird. So why did it? So does did it take that long? Yeah. Like is it, it or is or or was there literal? That's just that's the thing. It's like we're dealing with a thing like entity, like you said. Do these yes. things? Do these? Did did they even know that they're going to end up as these half children hybrid things? Like we were joking that if they landed yeah. on a planet that didn't have humans, would they end up doing this with some sort of like other organism potentially? Wow. Like would this happen with like a just to stay alive biologically, like a single celled organism? You oh, land yeah. on the Mars or something, right? Well, like, or even I don't just know. thinking about Earth entities and earth species and like why did they choose humans i guess because we have the most influence on this planet like what if we didn't and they chose something like a dolphin or something that's more intelligent perhaps like you know what if they chose gorillas in a a different way yeah and so they would come out looking half hybrid gorilla half like would they be like like blonde-eyed <laughs> well yeah see that's interesting i don't think so i but. had a question too like the idea yeah going back to the idea of the thing like they're less intense but they are merging with human dna so again like yeah going back to is it a spore or a psychically based parasite would they theoretically if they're able to grow up would they be able to reproduce on their own interesting you know what i mean like would mm-hmm. they have to rely on outside sources like other humans right or can they interbreed how would they end up breeding right because if it is the spore like transference or psychic transference or something weirdly psychic biological like how would that actually occur again or is it because they've already hybridized they will adopt the human biology yeah of procreation well that would be some really awkward sex it would be really strange yeah but i was thinking yeah i was like you know like what if yeah, like what if they chose a different host? What if they uh-huh. chose like cows or something? They switched from humans to cows at the later Because that is day. weird, right? There was a depiction of a cow in a field that was passed out. Right. So why didn't the cow get inseminated? You know what I mean? Well, maybe there were strange cows that were born, but people were preoccupied, so they didn't they even didn't notice. Even... And there's also that problem going on as well. Classic <gasps> humanist perspective. No <laughs> yeah. one notices anything. Yeah. Also, maybe the idea of like, you know, continuing to to procreate or whatever like mm-hmm. obviously david is the main leader he's like the central brain in mm. a way like the yeah. rest of the of the of the hive mentality the rest of the brains are like interacting with so in a way he's almost kind of like equivalent to the queen mm-hmm. like you might call it in a in a hive like i'm using that just because i was we're saying hive mentality yeah. mm-hmm. but if we're believing this is some sort of a parasitic thing that would maybe have but the, see like that's not parasitic though parasit yeah, because okay. So to go back to the to the thing I didn't say off the top, right? The midwitch midwitch cuckoos, the nineteen oh, fifties. Yeah, one flew over the cuckoos. The cuckoos. I know. I'm sorry. It's just fun to say. It's the fun cuckoos. to. I, I. It's fun to just. Yeah. It's like a Valu Village. It's like Value Village. Valu Village. Yeah, it's so much fancier. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it was exactly a brood parasite. That's what I didn't want to say off the top to like give it away. But that's what the novel was about. Brood parasitic entities, which are these things that need a host to bear its young, which is exactly what's happened here. So that's interesting. So if they're pure host, or sorry, not pure host, if they're pure parasite, like they're obviously hybridized. So they have hybridized the host and, and the parasite. So are they like mules now? Can they not reproduce again from that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's where mm. I'm kind of getting confused. But. See, that's where I don't really get the title of this, like the cuckoos. It's like, well, the people aren't crazy. So what's going on? Like, I don't really get that title. Maybe it's like the way 
like in War of the World, or not War of the World, The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. There's those two really strange species. That he like <laughs> has weird names for. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but right. maybe it's just like that where he calls that species like it's like the Land of Oz, right? Right. Okay. Or... <laughs> sure. I, <don't> know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it could have just been some weird 1950s. Like... I mean, obviously that was the 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 height of like all that type of sci-fi. I mean, it was it really was well received, and this film was really re- well received. Its sequel in 1995, not so much. No. Uh, very, very poor reception of the sequel that took place in the U.S. Uh, it was actually directed by John Carpenter, so it was a flop for Carpenter, who we, we love a lot of his stuff for sure. Hmm. I kind of, I mean, we're coming down to the end here, but I did want to finish by talking a little bit more about the, the classic comparisons to the Black Eyed Children. Oh, yeah. Because it's so interesting. And there's sort of two ways to think about this comparison, if you will. There's this one sort of idea that possibly this film was part of the inspiration for some of the early sightings of Black Eyed Kids in the UK. Because Mm. this was a British-based film, some of the earliest encounters were said to have taken place in Canuck Chase, uh, which we talked about in our our Patreon episode. So was this potentially a subconscious inspiration for the phenomena of Black Eyed Children in the UK? Or was it maybe inspired by something that was actually happening and then was ramped up in the 80s? -hmm. I don't know. Because it does offer a jumping off point for one of the possible theories, if you will, of what the phenomena of Black Eyed Children might be. Possibly alien entities or clearly not human entities that are trying to get something from you. They're trying to get in the house to extract something. In this case, they're a parasite, you know, using the woman as a host. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many comparisons. Like, like, there's so many similarities. Like, obviously, we've said this already, but, like, the children are all, they're all, they all look very similar. They're all similar heights and ages. They all dress exactly the same. They speak in ways that they shouldn't. Um, they make references that are out of date. They walk in exact unison. Distinctly unchildlike. <laughs> Distinctly unchildlike in every way. Like this is this is almost a, a dead ringer for what is described in encounters with with the black eyed children appearing in more than one. Well, these kids are always walking around town and more than with more than one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I mean, we, we could we could go on yeah, and on. The hive, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Like the, what the if... mind control aspect, obviously, like the alleged mind control that's come up. You know, hypnotic suggestion. Or um, even just, yeah, emotional control. It's like a different type of mind control with a lot of the Black Eyed Kids accounts. Right. Mm-hmm. The only difference being that, obviously, the, the Black Eyed Children is this idea that they show up and knock on doors and, and are asking to come inside. This this mm-hmm. isn't really that. They just they just are there. Well, but if you think about it, they are asking to come inside. That's a parasitic type request, right? Ooh. Come inside so that we can feed off of you. Right. <laughs> Actually, though, because if they are extracting anything... Or extracting, that's a weird word. But, like, if there's some sort of transference, like we talked about in in our Patreon episode, the idea of uh, fear as a unit of energy and that this could be used by these black-eyed kids. Like, you know, like, they're feeding off of our fear. They're feeding off of our human emotions. Yes. And inciting these, like, weird reactions and then potentially having adverse health effects, too, on these people. Like, you know, mental and physical. So Totally. There's a lot. Yeah. Like... I don't know. There's a lot of parallels. <laughs> and of course, like we did mention our Black Eyed Kids, like when you Google Black Eyed Kids, like a lot of Village of the Damned cinematography like comes yeah. up and, yeah. and images of these kids. And they've been modified a little bit. We even used one in one of our promos. We did, yeah. For it because it's so effective. Right. But, 
So we're coming, to, I mean, we're down to the end here. And I just have a list of kind of our final ideas because these were the most interesting aspects of this film that got us really going down a million rabbit holes with aliens, spore-like creatures, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the black-eyed children. So it's this idea of, was there a, a literal insemination of some kind implied in this story? Or was mm-hmm. this like almost the equivalent of abduction, you know, lost time? Did something do this to them? Or is it just <laughs> spore-like? Is it like the thing in a way? Wow. It's an entity that doesn't really know what it's doing. It just is there. It's it's shown up on a meteor by accident. Okay, that's interesting that uh, you say that just now because I... I love a good novel, especially like mid-century novels. And I just looked this up on Amazon. So you can buy the Midwich Cuckoos or Cuckoos. <laughs> cuckoos. I'm sorry. I totally teed you up for that for just me being weird today. <laughs> but you know, what's interesting here. It says in the little synopsis, in the sleepy English village of Midwich, a mysterious silver object appears and the inhabitants fall unconscious. So that's how the novel begins. So that might seed a little right. bit more into what the origins are. Okay. I think I'm going to purchase this. And you know what? It says here, frequently bought together, <laughs> one of my favorite novels. I didn't know this was actually by the same dude, though. I forgot. I read this in grade eight. It's called The Chrysalids. Oh, it's yes. amazing by okay. John Wyndham. Excellent book. Kind of I like dystopic po- future, kind of like after the apocalypse kind of thing. Right. And also bought together, The Kraken Wakes by John Wyndham. Oh, okay. I'm like, I want to buy all three of these. Yeah. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> like It will be $42 right. on the dot. I'm adding them to cart. That's not that bad. Audible click. We can do it. There we go. There we go. That was the click. Sweet. <laughs> but yeah, those are sort of the the aspects of this movie that 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 really got us thinking. You know, mm-hmm. is this accidental? Mm-hmm. Is this like an intentional invasion? What you just, just described sounds like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But hey, it's, it's, a, like it's all a, weird, man. I mean, I don't know. It's almost like it's like a cylindrical, or not cylindrical, sorry, a circular version of the uh, the monolith that appears in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right. And then weird shit goes down. And then so. weird shit goes down. <laughs> Especially weird <laughs> shit goes down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we want to know what all of you guys have to think. So, you know, uh, you know, post a comment on any of our uh, social media accounts. Like, come follow us on Instagram, at Into the Portal Podcast, mm-hmm. at Into the Portal Podcast on Facebook as well. You can just shoot us an email, into the portal mailbox at gmail.com and we definitely want to keep uh, getting your guys's film friday suggestions if you've got some mm-hmm. uh, other uh, movies you know we tend to like some of the older ones but we'll review we'll, we'll talk about whatever so hit us up with your suggestions and if you guys like the show and you haven't left us a review yet please uh, do us a solid leave us a five-star review we don't actually read them out anymore on the show but if you send us a shot of your your review or rating we'll we would love to hook you up with some mm-hmm. itp stickers and some cool stuff because we really appreciate it it helps people find the show that's really cool we'll be doing that for a while too so if you send us on any of our platforms, like just DM us or send us an email totally. even and us include a, your, obviously your address and we can mail you some stuff. Absolutely. Because we want to. We have lots of stuff we want to get out in the wild. So yes. we've got that uh, UFO diamond design. And oh, hell yeah. We've also got, uh, I think, some Thunderbird stickers kicking around. What else do we have? Like a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, man. We've had, well, I, we might have some Sasquatch ones kicking. We should order some more. We've got some, yeah, cool, we've got cool bookmarks. Creature. We've got a lot of really cool stuff. So we definitely want to hook you guys up and it really does help the show. So thank you all for listening. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. Mm-hmm. And big, big shout out and thanks to our producers, Adam Kellums, Stanley C, and Nightwing. Uh, we so, so appreciative. I'm going to do that. You guys are the best. And uh, all of you, thank you so much for listening to Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bizarre.
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.